0: here at Wellspring, and um, one of the things I'm very thankful for this Thanksgiving season uh, was our church family, and that we found a, uh, a wonderful uh, place to worship our Lord and Savior every week with you, to minister with you, and to be ministered to, and so I thank you so much for that. Um, this morning, I wanted to talk a little bit about power and what uh, what power is and I kind of wanted to start off as what do you think of when you I, when you think of power what is what is powerful what is amazing to you it's something something is power is something we all want and we all have on some level we have some type of power over our car we have some type of power over our finances we have some type of power over something and I hope today through this message to prove to you what ultimate power is, because you don't have that. Um, Power is huge, it's awesome, and it's amazing, and it fascinates us. Um, We travel to see powerful things. I was just thinking this morning, um, we went on a vacation this year, and we went to Niagara Falls, and we spent the whole week there looking at the amazing, powerful things that the river does, that the falls do. And millions of people go there to see this powerful waterfall. Um, why are we so fascinated by this? Because it's something that we, we try to control, that we, we've actually been able to harness the power of the Niagara Falls and the rivers so we can have our own power plants there, and we can actually um, literally stop the most powerful falls in the world. Um, we strive to operate powerful machines. I can't tell you how often I talk with people, and they're amazed by this machine, this excavator, whatever it may be, um, we all strive to have some type of control over this power, some way to harness it. We all hope to have some type of power in some way. So what would you say is the most powerful thing you can think of? And I picked out a few this morning. Maybe it's a, a big excavator. This is the, uh, the largest excavator in the world. It's called the Bagger 293. I didn't really look up why they call it that. Um, Curtis could probably tell me um, why they call it that. Um, This is the highest terrestrial vehicle in the world. The size is shared with its uh, predecessor. It is uh, 225 meters, or that's 738 feet long. Uh, It weighs 14,200 tons. Uh, They say that's 31.3 million pounds. It's huge, and it takes five people to operate. The bucket itself weighs over 21 point – the bucket itself, wheel itself, is over 21.3 meters. That's the big thing that spins. It spins, and it, it's a strip mine machine, and it, it rips up the soil, and they use it uh, for their mining. The diameter with the 18 buckets on it, um, and each one of these can hold over 15 cubic tons of material in each bucket. That's a pretty powerful machine. It can move – 240,000 cubic meters of Earth per day. That's a couple of wheelbarrow loads for me. Another thing is a rocket. A rocket's pretty powerful. This is NASA's new SLS rocket. It stands at 403 feet tall and is considered the largest and most powerful rocket ever designed. It's still being built right now. Their plan is it. it's going to go further and carry more than it ever has before. They're planning on taking this to Mars or to an asteroid. Um, it can carry up to 130 cubic tons, which is a lot of weight to carry into deep space. When we think of things, maybe there's something even more powerful than that. You know, um, history.com I looked up talks about a great catastrophe that happened on August 6, 1945. History buffs would probably say, oh, I know what that was. Uh, It says an American B-29 bomber dropped the world's first deployed atomic bomb over the Japanese city of Hiroshima. The explosion wiped out 90% of the city and immediately killed 80,000 people. Tens of thousands more would die later of radiation exposure. Three days later... A second, B-29 dropped another A-bomb on Nagasaki, killing an estimated 40,000 people. Japanese Emperor um, Hirohito, I think, if I'm pronouncing that wrong, I'm sorry, uh, announced his country's unconditional surrender in World War II in a radio address, studying the most devastating power of a new and most cruel bomb. This is a bomb that not only destroys so much when it drops, but continues to destroy to this day. There's still problems because of this powerful bomb today. That's very, very powerful. We think last year there was a powerful virus that we were all afraid of. Um, It's called the Ebola virus. And the CDC tells us it has a chance. If if you got the Ebola virus, you'd have a 50% chance of death. The CDC website reports that the Ebola virus scare of 2014 was the largest outbreak of its kind ever. Just to consider the facts of Ebola virus scares many people. And I didn't want to really get into the Ebola virus because it's a pretty scary, terrifying virus. But to think about it, why are all these things scary and powerful for us? A machine that can move tons of earth at once? or a rocket that can fly fast, a blast that kills thousands of people and continues to kill over time, or a small, tiny little virus that we can't even see that'll pretty much kill you faster without some type of -of state-of-the-art treatment that we really still don't understand and we're still so fearful of. What is more powerful than any one of these? It's death. Death will kill us all. Death is the one thing that none of us can escape since the first death of a man in Genesis, Abel who was murdered by his brother. Death has taken the life of almost every single person in history. And I say almost because there's two stories in the in the Bible of two men who were, who were brought up by the Lord. But death itself is a killer. We can't escape it. It's something we have to deal with. And we can't run fast enough. You can't hide from it. It will... It will catch you. It's estimated, I don't know if this is a very accurate description, that it said at least 100 billion people have died in history. That's a lot of people. 153,000 people will die just today on average. You can't beat death, and you have to live with it, if it doesn't kill you, that is. Death, by all means, is the most powerful thing a human can possess. And let's consider that. What if we could beat death? What if death could be overthrown? What if we could be powerful over death? Well, good news, Google just launched a new program called Calico, and they're looking at saving us from death. And unless you're trying to hold your breath to hope that Google and all their millions and billions of dollars is going to save us from death, because I'm not, I would ask you to keep listening. You can look up calicolabs.com. It's a, it's a Google-backed research company, and it's kind of interesting, but I think they're kind of missing the point here about how to save us from death. We want to look at Scripture today, which is what I use as authority on these things and what we use as authority here at Wellspring. We're going to be in John chapter 11 this morning. And I think if you have a Bible with you in the seat, uh, the page number is five eighty-three. Now there was a certain man, was ill, Lazarus, of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was also Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he is whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death, for it is the glory of God, so that the Son of Man, Son of God, may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. Are you going there again? And Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anybody walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. And after these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I will go and awaken him. And the disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought he had meant he was taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas called the twins said to his fellow disciples, well, let's go so we may die with him. So Lazarus our friend here is dead. Dead just like we would understand dead. And Jesus said, "Well, he's he's fallen asleep." And Jesus knew before he died that he was sick and they wanted him to come to him. And I don't I don't want us to think that Jesus was lazy or just didn't want to go or he feared for his life because when he decided to go, the disciples were kind of freaked out, like they tried to stone us last time we were there. But Jesus says, I, want, I wanted him to die so that I could show you how powerful I am. Death in this context, I should be understood to be no other way than the final goodbye that we all face, um, that many of us have seen our loved ones go through, Um, and we pass into the the mystery that we as Christians call eternity. But I don't think the disciples here really get what's going on. You know, Thomas goes, well, let's go so we can die too. Well, any normal person wouldn't say that, and I don't think that he thought that Lazarus was actually dead. I thought he was going to go take a nap, maybe. I really can't conjure exactly what Thomas meant, but I really think that he was missing the point. As we read on here, We'll see that um, they continue to miss the point. So, verse 17 says When Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. And Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would have not died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming in the world. But what does Martha really think Jesus is? She goes, If you would have been here, he'd still be alive. Well, that's no more than what we put on a doctor these days, you know? If you get the flu, you get really sick. If you don't go to the doctor, then you're probably going to die. I hope you don't die from the common flu, but it does happen every year. So if we were to put that on Jesus, say, if you would have come given the medicine that you have or this power you have to save him from this sickness, he wouldn't have died. But now he's dead, it's over. There's nothing more you can do. It's it's too late. You're just not powerful enough to bring him back. And that's no more power than the rest of us have. She's saying here, her understanding is, is that Jesus is not God. He's pretty powerful, but he's not all there yet. But Jesus says in verse Well, Martha says, I'm sorry, but even now, in verse 22, she says, even now I know whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And this is a lot of times what we'll say to pastors or religious leaders. If you pray, you're really spiritual, maybe God will let it happen. If you pray, Jesus, I know God really listens to you. She's still saying, well, you're just a man, but you're really close to God. Maybe, Maybe if you do something, you know, he'll come back. Maybe something miraculous will happen. But she's not really investing the power that Jesus has. She's not really treating him as God in this. She speaks to Jesus as if he's just a common man because she speaks of God in the third person here. And Jesus stops her and says, I'm the resurrection. I'm the one who I bring the life. I am the one that does the work. I am God. And nobody's giving him credit for that in this. So let's read on. She said, When she had said this in verse 28, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary quickly rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would have not died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in the spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could he who opened the eyes of the blind could have also kept this man from dying? Now Jesus was troubled. He was upset at this moment. But I don't think he was really upset that Lazarus has died. If he is who he claims he is, it doesn't really make that much difference to him. If he died, he can bring him back. He's troubled because... Nobody gets it. They say, Well, if he would have if he could make the blind man see he can't he can't heal this guy from this sickness. How great is he? I mean, we're just we're just going backwards here. It's it's getting worse and worse as they go. You know? He wept because of the unbelief of the people around him. He wept because they don't believe in his ultimate power that we have here. The case that we're trying to prove of his power over death. What a great shame! What a great shame. I think we can be sure at this moment, though, the Lazarus was just fine. I don't think that he had any problem with Lazarus. I don't think Jesus was crying for Lazarus. Except for the fact that maybe he would have been the only guy that would have gotten it there. I don't know. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay. I'm reading in verse 38 here. And Jesus said, "'Take away the stone.'" And Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead for four days. And Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me, and I knew that you always hear me. But I said on this account of the people standing around me that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to him, Unbind him and let him go. So was Lazarus okay? He was just fine. He was hanging out in there. He was in eternity. We would have we would assume by the belief that Lazarus had that he got up and he went to meet Jesus. And he was fine. But the people around him said, you know, Jesus, you're, you're pretty cool, you're pretty powerful, but you can't bring this guy back from the dead. Only God can do that. Thus proving that Jesus was God by this. And you know, I began this with a question of what is power? And I'll say ultimate power is power over death, which is what Jesus has. We run around, we do so many things. Why do we do what we do sometimes? It's to protect ourselves from hurting ourselves or from death. We go to the doctor so we can feel better, so that we don't die. We heat our houses so that we stay warm, so we don't freeze to death. Because we can't beat death. That's the only power we really don't have. In this story, those around Jesus do not believe in his ultimate power. They believe in power as we believe in power of a fast rocket or a disease. We believe those things will kill us or those things will launch into space. I mean, if you get too close to that rocket, it's going to kill you. But the power to bring people back from the dead, does anybody else have that power That's impossible. Jesus has that power. So what have you put your faith in? You know, there's daily reports of ISIS and other terrorists in the world, and these groups seek to put fear in our lives and change our way of life, and many speculate how we can defeat them and what will make us safer. Should we go to war with them? Should we carry weapons? You know, should we have specially trained police and you know, there's all these different things that go on. And often the conversation is, we need to get this, this specially designed piece of metal, and then we're going to put this other piece of metal in there, and it's got a little hammer, and we can, we can make it a small explosion, and that'll keep us safe. That's, that's the way to protect us from all this, this craziness. Now, while a gun is powerful, it's no more power than anybody else has. We all have the power of death, which sounds scary, but it's true. You can kill that ant, crush it, you have the power to take somebody's life. But is that ultimate power? Because that's all we use against each other. You know, when it comes to an argument or something or a fight or a war, it's always like trying to one-up the other one. You know, like, I can punch you. Okay, well, I can stab you with a knife. Or I can shoot you with a gun. Or I can drop a bomb on you. And we just keep getting bigger and badder. And, and that's the argument. But what would really be power? Sure, you can wipe out my army, but I can bring them back from the dead. That's kind of scary. Because you thought you won once you killed everybody. I don't say these things lightly. I say these things because they're true. You can kill me with your gun. Ebola can kill me. I can die from a nuclear weapon. But if God wants to bring me back, he will. That's the kind of power I'm talking about. What else, what other type of power do you put your faith in that has that capability? You know, and there's people, there's people around us, we know them, they've given up hope, they feel as though there is, there's no other way to cope with their own life except for just to take their life, because they have that power. I can kill myself, and I'll feel better. And they say, maybe they even say they have a relationship with God, and, the, and they'll go to heaven, and the, they'll, they'll be with the Lord in eternity. But is that really for them? Are they really putting their faith in Christ, in His ultimate power? Or are they putting it in their own power, the power to take their own life? Because Christ, Christ has the ultimate power. We talked a little bit about fear and, and ISIS and terrorism. You know, Matthew ten twenty-eight says, Do not fear those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both the soul and body in hell. What's that mean? Well, only Jesus has the ultimate power we've proven today. And if you're fearing the terrorists, the police, the government, whoever we want to talk about on Facebook tomorrow, whatever posts we want to put up on there, we're fearing them or we're trying to put our trust in protecting ourselves from them, We're fearing those who can take our body, which isn't as important as our soul, which is what Christ has the power over. He has the power to save you, and He has the power to put you into ultimate death, death and separation from Him. How powerful is this? If God wants you to die, He'll allow your body to die. And if He wants you to live, He'll allow you to live. That's the power that Christ have. Many of you might know the story of John Patton. I'm sure if I tell this, you'll be like, oh yeah, I remember this guy. John Patton was a missionary. Um, and one night, a hostile natives surrounding the mission state, station, intent on burning out the Pattons and killing them. Patton and his wife prayed during that terror-filled night that God would deliver them. And when daylight came, they were amazed to see their attackers leave. A year later, the chief of the tribe was converted to Christ. Remembering what had happened, Patton asked the chief in what had happened, what had kept him from burning down the house and killing them. And the chief replied in surprise, "Who are all those men there with you?" Patton knew there were no men present, but the chief said he was afraid to attack. He had seen hundreds and hundreds of big men in shining garments with drawn swords circling the mission statement. Station. So what's your faith in? When it really comes down to it, are we going to pray to God or are we going to rely on our own devices to save us? We're going to rely on science, calico.com, maybe ourselves that we're strong enough to take on whatever type of force that may come to us, might try to hurt our family. You can take your own life, but can you bring yourself back? Of course not. That's crazy. So what are you putting your faith in? These are worthless powers when you look at the ultimate power of Christ. He's not a power to fear, but a power to embrace, and he wants a relationship with you. And I've come to realize in myself that I operate and I make a lot of decisions based on fear. And I kind of feel like a lot of people do that. Fear of the unknown, fear of what might happen, fear of what will definitely happen, you know. It's going to get icy. I'm Probably this winter I'm going to walk out and I'm going to slip on ice. That's a definite fear that's going to happen to me because I'm a very clumsy person. But why? Because I'm not putting my trust in the power of Christ. If Christ doesn't want me to slip on that ice or wreck my car when I drive down the road on the ice this winter, He can stop that. If I really believe what Christ said, I believe that I could be unstoppable in my faith. That there's nothing that if I put my faith in Christ that I cannot do in the light of that. We all could do it. It wouldn't matter what the world is doing around us. It doesn't matter how bad those terrorists get. Christ is worth it. He is the ultimate power. So we need to put down our attempts at trying to save ourselves and protect ourselves and put our trust in our lives and the ultimate power. That would be powerful. And imagine this, if we gave up our silly attempts at this and actually believed in what Jesus could save us from, that anything that came our way, how would that change our minds about what we do and what we say? We all probably... If you're a responsible adult like myself, I try to be, have this thing called life insurance. And that's a big can of worms in conversation we can get into. And it's a good thing to have to help your family and lieu of the fact that you die. Because life insurance doesn't do anything while you're alive. When you're dead, that's, that's when it does your family good. It doesn't do anything. The only real life insurance we have is Christ. An insurance policy does nothing to save your life. What would I say if I told you I have a real life plan? If you invest your time, your effort, your resources into this life plan, you will live. And the neat part about this plan is all you have to do is believe in it. And no matter what you do, you will live. You can even die and you live. That's the cool part about this. And it's free that's a that's a that's a whole nother message today all you have to do is believe in it everyone should be lining up for this powerful policy and we should be telling everybody about that and unfortunately i am not sure most people who call themselves christians really believe in his ultimate power and i'm calling on you i'm calling on myself believe in the power of christ do you believe it then let's show it. We don't need to have fear. There is no one more powerful than Christ. If we really believe this, then no seat would be empty in this room. We'd be blowing out the walls because we'd be telling everybody about how powerful Christ is, and we really believed it, and He's going to save you from death. It's going to be really easy for us to walk out of here. We could talk about NASA's new rocket, the Beggar 293 that just stripped mines, Everything in its pathway. I mean, how many of us talked about Ebola when that scare was there? I mean, that was like the topic to talk about. We'll talk about Christmas and Black Friday and how powerful these things are for the retailers. But what really counts is the ultimate power of Christ and his power over death. And I will admit even in myself that I'm not talking about it and really getting to know how powerful this is. I pray that we can all embrace the power that Christ has. It's something we can lean on. It's something we can depend on. It's something that truly, truly saves us. Christ can not only raise you, but he raised himself. And that is true, true ultimate power. And as we go into the Christmas season, I don't want us to get caught up in the the gifts and the the cool nativity scenes, and my wife did a great job at decorating. But we need to remember that the power, the ultimate, ultimate power of Christ was in the gift that He was sent Himself. That we need to believe in that. And nothing else, nothing else truly matters this season. And ultimately, that's what we should be thankful for this Thanksgiving as well. So let me pray with you as we close. gently, Father, we just thank you for this day. We just thank you for your gift, Christ. We thank you for your power of everything. We just thank you for the, the ultimate power of life that you have, Lord. Help us to remember as we go through our daily lives that you alone can save us from all the the fear, and the just the mess of the world around us. Help us to put our faith in you and nothing else. Everything else is a distraction. I just pray, Father, that if there's somebody here that really doesn't know you today, or somebody who forgot, like I forget every day, to not take a conscious effort to put my faith in you, and to believe in your power. I pray, Lord, that you would forgive me of that, and that you would help those who don't know you to come to know you, to understand through this, Lord, that you are the ultimate power. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.